but talking about authority and, um, you know, when I was in America two weeks ago now, I had, um, we were in Norval Hayes Church. I was ministering in Norval Hayes' church, um, who was a, um, really he was the teacher of Kenneth and Gloria Copeland and a uh, great colleague of um, Kenneth Hagen Sr. and uh, a wonderful man. He was America's businessman of the year, uh, way back. But he was, a, he was a unique man. He had 12 companies and 12 secretaries. When I first met him, I was asked to look after him 1993 when he was visiting Kensington Temple in London. And um, it's a long time ago now, isn't it? Is, is that really 30 years? Wow. Anyway, I, I was waiting in the room for this American chap that I was going to look after. And uh, he, I knew he was a businessman. I knew that he was, uh, you know, uh, an interesting man. And, and he walked in in a white suit and a white big Stetson hat. And he said, hi. <laughs> I said, hello. I thought this is like JR in Dallas, you know. It was, it, he was a larger-than-life man. And I learned so much from, from him. You know, there's something that happens when you, with people of faith who really have lived a life of faith. Something happens. I can't quantify it. I don't understand it. But I just know that when you're with people with that authentic faith who've had testimonies with God, something happens. So um, I, I would encourage everyone to, uh, you know, um, really listen uh, to the testimonies of people's mouths. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you find people with good testimonies of faith, listen and, and, and spend time with them and, and you know, learn. And, and um, I think that something happens that's unquantifiable, but it's a wonderful thing that happens. I suppose uh, the New Testament does touch on it in terms of an example. The Apostle Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. And uh, there is something in that. But here's the thing that was interesting. When we, when we left there, uh, we were, a strange thing happened. I won't go into all the details because it'd take too long. But we were meant to go to Texas. So we were in Tennessee, just outside Chattanooga. We were meant to go to Texas. And the route to go to Texas is sort of straight down, you know, diagonal. But when we punched it into the, the telephone over breakfast, it was taking us through Baton Rouge. And I said, that can't be right. That's just not right. I told the chap driving me um, on my tour around America, um, some of you know uh, Bishop Stephen Ballant, and he, I said, that can't be right. I said, we, we, we've got to go, it's much shorter if you go straight. He said, well, he said, it's there on the phone. He said, it's just, I said, but that can't, this just doesn't make sense. And so anyway, the more I was reflecting on it, the more I realized that we should go through Baton Rouge. So by the end of breakfast, I wasn't arguing. I just thought there's something in this. We've got to go through Baton Rouge. Well, it's a 10-hour drive down to Baton Rouge from where we were. 
I said 10 hours. <laughs> and then we had another four hours to go across country. So you can understand, you know, I was, you know, but I just, so after about f probably two, three hours of that journey down to Baton Rouge, we had a call from a senator who had heard about us from a radio interview that I did when I was over there. And the chap who, who I was on the radio with, he organized for me to, he wanted me to meet, he felt the senator should meet with me. So the senator had invited us to go down to this fundraiser and meet with them. So we go down to this fundraiser. There was a couple of senators there. And uh, we go to this fundraiser and it was uh, very interesting. We got there just as it was finishing. And they, they, were, <laughs> they were sort of, it was in a big gym. And um, interestingly, that... Uh, that night then I had an opportunity to, to speak with the senator and some of the people who were helping her in her campaign. And they were struggling because the Democrats, these were Republicans, um, and the Democrats had, had twice the budget that they had. And not only that, they had twice the budget and the polls were showing that the Democrats were really doing very well, and the, 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 it was working, their publicity. And in their publicity, they had slated the Republicans and this lady who'd invited me to be with her. Now, this is a Christian, godly lady. And the Democrats did the work of Satan. That's unbalanced, isn't it? That's not, that's not very balanced. I'm not being fair, am I? I've made a judgment there. Uh, <laughs> um, they did the work of Satan in lying about this, this uh, Republican senator, just plain lies. And what you'll find is that when you have someone who wants to be working for the enemy, they will lie with impunity. And they will try to tarnish someone's reputation. Okay? So reputation is something I want to touch on this morning. There's been, I've been reflecting on this. The enemy wants to attack your reputation. And the, the, the enemy will use people to attack reputations, whether it's your individual reputation, a church's reputation, uh, he did it with Jesus Christ, didn't he? The Lord's reputation was being attacked by the people of his day. And so why is it important for us to know this? Well, the Bible says that we're not unaware of the enemy's schemes. You see, so I want us to be aware of the enemy's schemes. When we're aware of the enemy's schemes, we can very quickly discern, oh, that's not right. Oh, that's okay. But that sensitivity, that awareness is important to make correct discernment. It says, you know, in the last days the that, that many will lack discernment. It's one of the features of the last days in the New Testament. I think that's very interesting. You hear people talking about all the signs of the times and all the big events and things. But a lack of discernment is one of the signs. And I find that there is a lack of discernment so often in people because they're not used now to perhaps measuring things with the absolutes of right and wrong. 
They've been brainwashed to think that we've got to have, you know, you've got to be fair. Don't make a judgment call. Well, we do make a judgment call, and we're meant to make judgment calls. And some of you are thinking, oh, well, Jesus said, do not judge. Well, and this is what I'm going to say to you. Study your Bible properly, and you won't make such a silly response. Ignorance is, is not a good thing for believers. When Jesus says that, in context, look at the Greek. In context, what it means is you don't make an unfair judgment. An unfair uh, judgment is what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about a judgment that isn't right. It's not fair. It's a wrong, erroneous judgment. But we are absolutely to make judgments. The New Testament is a book of judgments. Anyone with me this morning? <laughs> this is right. This is wrong. This is correct. This isn't. It's, it's a book like that. And you and I make those judgments. Now, look, I believe I'm so thankful for the Lord's grace. I'm so thankful. And I don't want to be harsh with anyone. And I don't believe that we should be harsh with each other. And I think that when people get into religion, they get very harsh. And religion causes people to be harsh and critical. There's a difference between being critical and exercising a fair judgment. See, a fair judgment doesn't necessarily lead to someone being critical. You can have a fair judgment and yet still then walk in grace and love and acceptance. You see? But what's happened is people have, in, in the desire to be gracious and walk in love, they've circumnavigated judgment, you see? And that's caused a lot of problems because now people lack discernment, which is one of the features of the end times. So it's been nice being with you this morning. Let's just reflect on that. <laughs> A nice, nice brief sermon this morning for everyone. Nah. <laughs> just, a, just a little bit extra. Let me just extra. Let, let's go into it a little bit further, but not too much because I want us to really reflect on that. I want you to know, okay, that um, one of the things that I found. The story behind He Ain't Heavy. He's my brother. It's an interesting story, actually. You know that song? The road is long With many a winding turn That leads us to who knows where Who knows where Great song. And it comes from Boys Town. In America, you know the, um, the, the school for orphans, orphan boys, and, and there was a little boy with polio, and, and he had very heavy braces on his legs, sitting in a wheelchair, and he couldn't get up the steps. And so the older lads would, would carry him up the steps, and the father, uh, who was the Roman Catholic priest, would say, um, boys, are you going to carry him up? And are you sure you can manage? And the boy turned to hit the father and said, 
He said, he, he ain't heavy. He's, he's my brother. Oh. And he carried him up the steps. It's lovely, lovely um, uh, testimony with that uh, boy's town. Proverbs 22.1 says, A good name is to be more desired than great wealth. Favor is better than silver and gold. So you see, the Bible encourages us to keep a reputation, a good reputation whenever possible. And Ecclesiastes 7.1 says, A good reputation is more valuable than costly perfume. It's, it's very important to have a good reputation. Now, a reputation is built over time as other people evaluate the choices that we make in life, okay? Based on how we behave and, you know, as I said, whilst we don't like the idea of being judged, the fact is that we're always judging each other and determining who's trustworthy and who is not. You know, reputations are built on the judgment of others. Isn't that right? You know, when Micah and I, for example, you know, have gone away at times, um, we've, we've assessed the people that we would like to have looking after our house. Now, you know, most of the time, Sonny is there. But before Sonny was there, you know, we, we would assess you know, and there's certain people we wouldn't we wouldn't ask why. Well, we made a judgment call. <laughs> Fair point. I was just you know, and um, a good reputation is something that is developed, and people are assessing us all the time. And here's the thing, it's important because that leads to discernment about who we are, how we live our lives. Pastors, the New Testament says pastors are especially required to have a good reputation. It says, you know, in 1 Timothy 3, 7, he must have a good reputation even with the outsiders so that he will not fall into disgrace and the devil's trap. So the pastor should have a good reputation with those outside of the church, which I'm pleased because many people inside the church I don't have a good reputation with. I'm convinced that they're doing the work of uh, the devil a lot of the time. Uh, of course, that's not the case in the main. I'm, I don't want to overemphasize that negative thing, but the truth is that the attacks have often come from within the church. The attacks against believers. And the attacks against believers come from within the church. And it's the enemy who's doing that work. Trying to undermine the reputation of people within the church. So the next time you hear someone attacking the pastor, I want you to think, well, hold on a sec. Is this a valid thing or is this the tongue of the devil? Is this the tongue of the devil at work here, trying to divide, trying to cause a division? And my assessment in the main is that that's precisely what it is. But here's the thing I really want to get at this morning. Because the Bible says that we should all have a, a, a good reputation, 
And a good reputation is a valuable thing for believers. Um, you know, when we look at Paul's decision, for example, regarding Timothy, we find um, that um, Timothy left his home, he followed Paul, and they, they started this lifelong friendship. But Paul's decision to select Timothy was, was found in the scriptures because the believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of Timothy. In other words, Timothy had a good reputation. And that helped him in his relationship with Paul. A good reputation is very important. Here's what I want us to do. Whilst evil people will come along and attack us, and they will do their best to try and undermine our reputation, you know, I've had many people speaking lies about me. They just invent lies. They just literally just invent lies about you. And they sit in churches. They sit in churches, some people, and they just make up lies about you. And they're children of the devil. They're the Satan's... I mean, really, they are. It's, the, it's, it's evil. How would, why would people do such a thing? It's evil. In a church. But because churches can be so religious, people get away with it. Something about the veneer of religion that stops people really dealing with, with their heart. And they can be in a religious place themselves, and, and they feel a license that they can do this. It's, it's a strange thing. But here's something that I want to encourage us all about today. It's not those people who are going to say false lies about us. Those workers of the devil saying false lies about us as believers. I'm not concerned about them. I'm concerned about what the Bible is saying to us as believers, that we should take care to build a good reputation for ourselves. So we have a responsibility to build a good reputation. Now, I want you to help me out. How do you think we do that? How do we build a good reputation as a church, as individuals? What, what do we do? Any ideas? Throw them out, please. Hands up, please. I like that. Speak words of kindness to others. I think that's one of the emphasis I really do like. Because, I, 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 yeah, you, you can build a bridge to someone, can't you, with kindness and love. And that gracious attitude, which isn't very often in the religion of Christianity, you know. Religion of Christianity so often doesn't have that. So yes, building kind words to people. And you'll be known then as a, as a person who's kind. That's nice. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, I do like that. You know, so often... So often, I think in, my, my great-grandfather was known as a kind man. He was such, known, known as a, such a kind man he was. He, they, they left him for dead in the Battle of the Somme. And he, he, someone saw his hand twitch. And they pulled him off the pile of dead bodies. But he had terrible scars and, and pain he was in. Uh, but he was such a kind man. 
That's all you had to do was mention that you needed something and he'd buy it for you. If he could buy it, he'd buy it for you. So even strangers, he didn't know. Uh, he was known throughout the area as a, just a, such a kind man and always speaking kind words and being generous to people. Yeah, so I really like that. And um, yeah, I've had to work really hard at that. <laughs> and I'm a work in progress. <laughs> Anyone else? Show by your actions. Yeah. So I said to someone recently, I said, look, if you say you're Christian, know this. People are going to assess you by church attendance. People will assess people by church attendance. They'll assess people by church attendance. They'll assess people by if they come on time. Oh, that lot, they're always late. Or that one, oh, they come every three weeks. Or that one, you know, people make assessments of people. And what they do is then, people develop, okay? People are developing, they're sculpturing, if you like, their own reputation through their lack of diligence. So, a oh, listen. <laughs> a lack of diligence sculptures... A reputation. You're sculpturing your own reputation. You have a reputation. People won't tell you, but this is what they'll think. And more importantly, this is how, you know, we've been cheered on by the saints on high. They're cheering us on in this world. And what they're saying to us is be diligent. Be diligent. And, and, and work as a team, work as an army. But do be busy about the kingdom, build the kingdom of God, establish yourselves. And, and then what people will be saying as people come one in every three Sundays, they'll say, Oh, look, they're so feeble. They're building their reputation, they're building their own feeble reputation as someone who's not dependable, not disciplined not structured, not strong. And, and all of that is wrong, isn't it? I'm just being honest this morning, everyone. You don't, I hope you don't mind. Please don't take offense. It's not me, it's the Bible. It, it really is the Bible. If we had time, we'd go into loads of scriptures on it. But I, I'm just giving you the summary here of the main salient points, okay? But I, I don't think there's much debate on this. Um, but here's the thing. Here's the thing, okay? I, I'm saying this because, why am I saying this? I'm saying this because I want us to have something to aim for. I want us to know that with every Sunday, when the enemy tries to stop you going to church, or every prayer meeting, the Bible, you, you know, or, or every Bible study, and the enemy tries to stop you, and the enemy tries to undermine you, but every time you win, you put another beautiful brick in the sculpture of your building, your reputation. You do that every time that you are faithful. Every time you do something with diligence, that's what you do. And every time you don't, you take something off there. 
We're living bodies, living sculptures for God. And God is calling us now to set our minds and be diligent. The easy way is the way of this society. This society is easy come, easy go. You and I are called to more. You and I are called to diligence. We're called to commitment. We're called to strength. We're called to excellence. When Look, we're not called to be the chickens flapping around on the ground, pecking away. We're the eagles soaring. We're called to be eagles soaring in the sky, observing everyone from a very high ground, the high ground of God. How do you get to the high ground of God? You get there one bit at a time. But it's one bit at a time. And it's that consistency that causes us to have the elevation that God has intended for us. That high ground of God. Consistency. Diligence. Let me tell you this. The Apostle Paul talks about sports people. He says, hey, take part in the race, he says. What the Apostle Paul says is this. He says, it's, it's, not, the, it's not the winning that counts. It's just the taking part that counts. Doesn't say that. Doesn't say, it doesn't say that. What, is he, what does Paul say? It's not the taking part, is it? It's the winning that counts. Yay! Hey! <laughs> oh, there's some, is there some soppy people here this morning? Or are you with me? Hey! It's the winning that counts. That's the truth. It's the winning that counts. Paul says, take part, but run in such a way that you run to win. Be a champion for God. What does that mean? Well, I'll tell you this, okay. I did play sport to a decent level in the sport of golf. And I'm telling you, you would do... When I was, I was 15 years old, at 15 years old, I was with one of the, I went, one of the places I went in America was, I went downtown Houston. One of the pastors, a friend of Joel Osteen's, and John Osteen was his friend. And they said, look, would you like a tour around the church? We'd take you down the church and we'll, you know, meet a couple of people. And so I said, oh yeah, that'd be interesting. But so I went down there and we had some nice, um, Maybe I'll share those photographs. But when, where we went beforehand was one of the downtown areas, and it's called Gun City. It's a really bad area. And it was the roughest area, and it was full of gangsters and guns and things. Bad area. And um, the chap said to me that he, he, he was ex. I said, well, what's it like in your church? He said, well, we've got so many police in our church. He said, it's okay. He said, because we, <laughs> we just have a lot of police in the church. Uh, so, you know, we, we're okay. But he said, the thing is, you know, it, it, it gets interesting at times. He was telling me about it. And he was saying that um, they had a competition recently with the, the, the people from the streets. And it was a press-up competition. And um, he said that the pastors, the elders, were having these press-ups. And they were all policemen. And they're all ex-military, and he's ex-Marines. And they were doing these uh, press of competitions with them. He's the same age as me. 
And um, yeah, so it, it was quite interesting. And I was reflecting to him how at a 15-year-old boy, because I was playing golf, I was able to do 100 press-ups like that. I mean, I just do 100 press-ups very easy. I mean, in fact, I remember, right, just picture this. I remember thinking, is that an exercise? That's what I thought. I actually thought that. And I said, is that, it's not an exercise. You know, to me, it was, it was, it was ridiculous. It was, there was no exercise in it. I would do 100 and it would, no exercise. I could have done 1,000, easy, straight off, 15 years old. It's not the case today. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a ways to go. <laughs> um, point is this, that when people are doing sports, as the Apostle Paul talks about, what they do is they really commit themselves. And he likens the Christian life to that of a sports person. He says, run in such a way that you win the prize. Well, does that mean you come one in every three Sundays? No. Does it mean that you're at the prayer meetings? Yes. Does it mean you make a commitment? Yes. Does it mean there should be a strength and a determination to be involved? Yes. Of course it does. If you don't have that, what have you got? You've got something. I'll tell you what you've got. You've got ninth place feebleness in a race of nine people. That's what you've got. You've got feebleness. You've got a feeble walk. Oh, well, at least I took part. We're not meant to be people like that. We're meant to be the winners, the champions. The Apostle Paul is talking about people who are diligent because this Christian walk is, is a thing that needs constant diligence. It's a walk of diligence. You know, I knew a man. He was such a blessing in my life in many ways. He was a trustee of Oral Roberts University. He had gained a tremendous momentum. He was a dear friend of uh, a lot of the leaders in the faith um, churches. And, and what happened was he had a television, daily television program affecting the nation. You'd see him on the BBC News. You'd see him on Sky News. You'd see him all, all, all the time. He had a, a very visible presence in the UK. And what happened was, he lost his reputation, and then he lost everything. And he lost his reputation, and being in a high place, when you lose your reputation, it's a big drop. Bless him. God still spoke through him. God still used him, but he lost the reputation. And God is saying to us, please, he's saying, this morning, let's be diligent people. Let's be people who are really diligent in our walks. You know, we've got that, we've got that leaflet that we produced talking about daily prayer, daily Bible study, daily worship. And we mentioned evangelism in it. But at least the daily prayer, the daily worship, and the daily Bible study. Do those three things. Do them with your family. Do them in the house. Every chance you get before meals, pray before meals. Every opportunity you get, include the Lord in it.
And, and slowly and slowly that becomes more and more training, more discipline to the things of God. You know, it says in the scripture that uh, in Philippians 2, 7, Jesus made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. The son of God, Jesus, he leaves the throne room of heaven, comes to earth as a man, and he left his reputation behind. He entered the world in which he was mocked, <laughs> misunderstood, and lied about. Remember Matthew 26, 59 to 60, it says, the chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for false evidence against Jesus so they could put him to death. But they did not find any. Though many false witnesses came forward, finally two came forward and declared, this fellow said, I'm able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. They did everything they could to put, a, put negative words against Jesus, paint him in a bad light. People will do that to you. Your family members at Christmas time will say, huh, huh, he calls himself a Christian. She calls herself a Christian. Ha, huh. they may do that. Your friends will be looking at you and there'll be a conviction inside of them because they know that you're a person of faith. You've shared your testimony with them and they'll be looking and they'll be saying, oh, huh, calls themselves a Christian. And they'll be looking for an excuse. They're going to do that. People are going to do that. That's okay. Let them do that. But as far as we're concerned, let's do everything that we can in our power to do that we will be diligent servants of God, that we will be building that reputation which God has called us in the Scriptures. I mean, I've read it from the Scripture this morning to build and to take care to build that we'd be a light in the world. See, this building is a light in the world. It's a testimony to the world. And let them do as they're going to do. You know, how does it manifest? I mean, it manifests, I was thinking of Micah. I, I was thinking that Micah was, Micah just gave birth. I mean, she just gave birth to Samuel. She was in church the next, the next week. Early in church the next week. Doing a few bits and pieces, helping, sorting things out. I mean, it, you know. It's, it's, it's that consistency. That's what it is, it's consistency. I was thinking, 15 years we've been in this church now. Do you know it's 15 years 15 years? It's amazing, isn't it? 15 years. 15 years, Micah. In another 15 years, have a guess how old I'm going to be. <laughs> Honestly, I just thought about that this morning. When I woke up this morning, I did, I thought about that this morning. As I woke up, I was lying on the pillow, I woke up, I thought in 15 years I'd be 72 years old. I closed my eyes and went back to sleep. 
I didn't close my eyes and go back to sleep. I, but it shocked me. I just closed my eyes again. I thought, let me just process that. What are you, what are you saying, Lord? <laughs> Is, what's the Lord saying to me? It's amazing. So what is our life? What is our life for? Our life is, is, you know, let's spend it on the things of God. The enemy gets us chasing dreams, chasing vanities, chasing all sorts of things. You know, when I was in America, I did take a trip to Grace, and you may have seen the little thing that I put on um, on uh, Facebook. It's an interesting thing. And I took this trip to Graceland and, and, and you know, bless him, Elvis, he had everything, didn't he? He had all the cars and I went around his car collection, beautiful cars, and I like cars. And he had a couple of um, nice Rolls Royces which are particularly nice for me. Um, that's what I like. And, you know, I, I just enjoyed everything that I saw there, the clothes and, the, and it was beautiful. Did you see the belt I was presented with? And, no? Oh, I have to bring it. I was presented with a belt, which is something. I mean, it is, it's a belt. <laughs> this is a belt. <laughs> I'll bring it next week, shall I? I'll bring it next week. You'll see it. It's a beautiful thing, really. And it touched me. And... Um, and it was wonderful. But some things that I can't talk about that went on there, I will perhaps share it as time goes by, maybe. But suffice to say this, that he was given everything, the best of everything, but it was like a vanity. It didn't satisfy. It is like a mist. I remember once recording with a man, he was number one in the charts, and he said, it's like a mist, he said. It's, it's, it, it promises so much, but when you get there, there's nothing there. It's not, it doesn't satisfy. The only thing on planet Earth that satisfies, really the only thing, is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Fame, fortune, money, nothing will do it. Get a nice Lamborghini, it's nice. It's not, I like a Lamborghini, I like a Lambo. That's the way we were talking about getting a Lambo. Let's get a Lambo. But you, but you know what? You had a nice Ferrari. That lovely Ferrari you had. Beautiful. I like that Ferrari. Beautiful red Ferrari. Was it a convertible? No. no just a nice red Ferrari. But, you know, so what? It, 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 it doesn't do much after a while. It's just, it's a car. It's another car. The only thing that we should be pursuing, listen to me, wise children of God, is the, the things of God. And building that reputation. And we do it by bit by bit by bit. Every prayer that we've prayed in this service currently exists in the throne room of God. It's existing in bowls. God's collecting those in bowls. Every prayer that you pray throughout the week will be there with the Lord. It'll continue. It's a brick in your reputation. It's a strong reputation. It's a robust reputation that you're building. Why? Because when you then speak, your words have authority. There was a man called Smith Wigglesworth who was a plumber. And because he'd built a good reputation for himself, saying that if I go there to fix that thing at 7 o'clock, he was there at 7 o'clock because he had a strong reputation as being a man of his word. Smith Wigglesworth was a man of his word. Well, guess what? Unless you're a man of your own word, you'll never be a man of their word. 
You've got to be a person of your own word before you can be a person of the word. So be a person of your word. Make a strong commitment and then live as a person of the word. Amen. This is what we're talking about this morning. It's consistency. It's character. This is the stuff that builds us and builds the church into what God has called us to be. We give him praise for it. Amen. Praise be to God. Precious brothers and sisters, we'll continue our fellowship and our worship now. Stand with me, please, as we sing our closing hymn. Thank you, Lord. The Bible says it's a good thing to give thanks to the Lord. Amen.